All right, college football season's about to start, and while it's a little muted for the Trojans, it's still going to start. I'm excited about that. I'm excited. I don't care. I don't care if they win a championship or not. It's going to be fun to watch. But what's going to happen is people are going to start flying their colors. They're going to start wearing their colors. Trojans, Cardinal and Gold, UCLA, Blue and Gold. There are some, some Bruins in the crowd, so we have to be, you know, I personally have to be neutral. <laughs> My daughter goes to OU. They, they fly crimson and cream. Okay, it's not red and white. It's crimson and cream. They hate every shade of orange at OU. They don't like UT. They're orange. They don't like OSU. They're another shade of orange. So that's the way it goes. People fly their colors to show their loyalty. You, you, you can identify where their loyalty lies by the colors they're wearing. That's what that's all about. Which camp they belong in. Who they're rooting for. Who they're fighting with. In a few moments, we're going to look at a piece of the armor that God's provided us that identifies Christians. It's the helmet. But first, I want to look at a general identifying mark of a Christian and review where we've been. A general mark of a Christian is the presence of the power of God in your life. That's, that's just in general. If you're a believer, then you experience the power of God in your life. His power shows up in the everyday struggles. He gives help to deal with the everyday ins and outs and struggles of life. Now, a lot of us go through the hassles of life. We go from hassle to hassle to hassle, and we don't realize the true nature of the struggle. We've been talking about the, the true nature of that struggle, the dimension behind what we can see that, that is really a part of the battles that we're dealing with. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you're considering following Christ, if you're thinking it over, you're investigating Christianity, you need to know that once you commit your life to Christ, the struggles still continue, the battles go on, but you have help from God. The power of God is in your life to help you work through those things. If you've just committed your life to Christ, if, if you've recently turned around and decided to follow him, you need to know that the battles are going to continue. You can't be surprised by them. You shouldn't be surprised. You need to know what to expect. And we all need to realize we're having a problem with our lights, so that it's not a strobe effect on it intentionally. So if it goes on, I'm going to ignore it, so hopefully you can as well. There it is. Uh, we're not doing a strobe today. Um, but it, it's important that we're not surprised by the battles that go on. We need to be ready for them. We need to be ready to fight. God has given us what we need to gain victory in the midst of the battles. He intends the battle to launch us into action and to invigorate us and to invigorate our walk with him, to help us turn to him in faith. So, We've looked at four pieces of the armor so far, 
in this message series that God's given us to help in the battle. The first week, we looked at the belt of, belt of truth, which counters Satan's attempts to confuse you. So we must learn to think and act on God's truth. Second week, the breastplate of righteousness that counters Satan's attempts to accuse you. The, the word devil, the name devil, means accuser. And that's, that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to accuse us to take us down. So what we do in response is we put on Jesus' righteousness, not our own. When you commit your life to follow Christ, what happens is the Lord Jesus gives you his righteousness. And so as God looks at you, he no longer sees you in your sinful state. He's looking at you through Jesus and his righteousness that covers our sin. So when you, you're attacked and the accusations come, you put on the breastplate, his righteousness. You trust in him, not your own ability to justify yourself. And then we looked at the shoes. Alex talked about the shoes that are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, which counter Satan's attempts to divide. A major objective of our enemy is to separate us from the God who loves us. It's what he's trying to do, drive a wedge and separate us. We counter this strategy by explaining God's forgiveness and extending God's forgiveness to the people around us. And then last week we looked at the shield of faith. This shield counters Satan's attempts to discourage you. We put up the shield by declaring God is good. My God is good and he will not rip me off as I continue to walk by faith and do what he's asked me to do. I can trust him. He is trustworthy, and I will trust him. I'm putting up the shield to do that. We're told in Ephesians 6.17 that we're looking at today, take the helmet of salvation. In ancient armies, the, the helmet was the piece of the armor that identified which country the soldier was from. Ancient helmets often had brightly colored plumes on top of them that identified the country they were serving. This is the image intended for this piece of the spiritual armor. Salvation protects us from eternal death and it identifies us as followers of Christ. Like the one we follow, we follow Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, you follow Jesus. Our future is never beyond hope, no matter how bad it looks. No matter, no matter what's going on, how impossible it seems, our future is never beyond hope because of him. The helmet protects a couple of things. It protects something and then gives hope. It protects us from the attacks on our security in Christ. One main strategy that the helmet protects against is this. <clears throat> Satan likes to feed thoughts and help us with thoughts that go something like this. Any, anyone who is a real Christian wouldn't think that. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't be tempted with that. They wouldn't have made that mistake. Anybody who's a real follower of Christ wouldn't have caved in there. You aren't really saved. You don't really know him. God's not going to come through for you. 
These are the thoughts, the attack. God's not going to come through for you because look at you. You aren't a real believer. This is when you need to take up the helmet of salvation. This is when you need to make sure it's firmly fitted on your head. At this moment, when you're under this attack, you need to know that you've committed yourself to Christ as Lord, followed him as boss, and then declare your salvation in faith, by faith through what Jesus has done for you. You declare it. This guards against a crushing blow to the head. That's the, the point of the, the helmet. Also, the helmet gives hope in the face of impossible odds. We follow the one who hung on a cross and died on our behalf. Now, at that moment when he was hanging on the cross, when he was going through the trial, he was tortured, he was hanging on a cross. From the disciples' point of view, things looked hopeless. From, from the human viewpoint, utterly hopeless. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get us to see things from a human point of view and get buried in impossible circumstances, things that seem impossible. They surround us, and then he wants to cause us, he wants these circumstances to cause us to forget that we belong to the army of the impossible. We follow the one who rose from the grave. The cross, as hopeless as it looked, was not hopeless. That was the beginning of the victory. That's where Jesus won the victory for, for those who believe in him. It's, it's never over for us who follow him. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how impossible it seems, we follow the one who rose from the grave. The future is ours. No, no matter what happens, if we forget that, if we take the helmet off, we quit. We give up. We stop following. We quit in the face of our ongoing struggles. Because they are real and they are there. When an ancient soldier quit fighting, the first thing to come off was the helmet. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to take that off. He's trying to get at us and get to us to quit we quit when we forget the power of God to save us and help us in the here and now. We quit when we give up on his help that he wants to provide. If, if you've decided to follow Christ, take up the helmet. Put it on. Make sure it's on your head. Don't give up. Sometimes we give up on changing. I've tried to change so many times. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of... This habit, it's destructive, it hurts me, it hurts the people around me. I just keep trying to change, it's no use. Don't give up. Put the helmet on, God. In spite of this, you love me. In spite of this, you brought salvation to me, and you are working in me to will and to act according to your good purpose. I'm going to trust you, God. Not me, I'm going to trust you. God is using even the struggles and the battles to grow you if you're trusting him, if you're following him. He doesn't want you to quit. He wants you to trust him in the midst of the battle because even the battles and the struggles he wants to use to build you up, to make you stronger, not to take you down. 
like, like Satan is trying to do. Don't give up on your marriage. It doesn't seem like it's going to be quite the struggle that it is when you get married at the wedding, when you're on the honeymoon. It just doesn't seem like it should be that hard. But then real life happens. And in the midst of the struggle, if you forget the power of God and the help that he provides, you quit. Don't quit. There is hope. God will give you the power to work through it. Whatever it is you're dealing with, we need to let the helmet of salvation, God has saved us by his grace. That's what you find in Scripture. Not because we've worked, not because we've earned it. It's by his grace. Scripture also tells us to let that grace work its way out in every part of your life, in your relationships, as you, as you set out to change. Don't give up on helping others. Sometimes we say, oh, it's no use. I don't, I don't get this. I can't do this. God wants to channel his love through you. Remember, the army that you're in is the army of the impossible. And it's about what God wants to do, not about what you're trying to accomplish. It's about what God will do in your life as you trust him with your life. That's what it's all about. Jesus showed us. He's the first one to wear this helmet of salvation. He's our captain. He's our leader. He's the one that we're following as followers of Christ. He's the first one to wear the uniform and shows us how to endure He showed us how to take up the helmet of salvation and face difficulty. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus had more reasons to quit than you and I combined. He was the living God in a human body who was completely innocent, yet tortured, ridiculed, executed by a slow death. And he didn't deserve it. He was tempted to quit. And he asked God at one point. He knew this was coming. He went before God and he prayed. He asked God to let him escape these struggles. God, let me out of this. Is there any other way but for me to take on the sin of the world in my own body? Is there any other way? And in that moment, he settled his mind not to quit. He resolved. I am not going to quit. And because he endured, we can wear the helmet of salvation. Because he hung in there and showed us how we're a part of this army of the impossible. Here here are two keys to endurance that we can learn from him. At least two. There may be more tucked in here, but at least two points. First, we must prepare. We've got to get ready for the battle. Just before his betrayal, Jesus took an extended time to prepare for the struggle he was about to go through, and he asked his disciples to help him. He he asked them to watch with him as he went aside and spent some time before God in, in prayer. He asked them to watch and pray with him. 
they didn't seem to understand the urgency of the moment or what was going on. I think in their minds, in fact, I know in their minds, they thought the kingdom is about to arrive. Jesus is the king. We're going to get to celebrate and reign with him. All is going to be good shortly. Although he had told them what was coming, I I don't think they understand the urgency of the moment. So it was late, and they were tired. And after Jesus spent time before God working out his struggles with the struggle that he was about to face, this is what he said. It says he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It turns out that the disciples were surprised by the battle that they were about to face, the trials that lie ahead. And this is why we need to know they're coming and that they're real and that we're in the middle of them, to expect them. We shouldn't be surprised by them. Jesus was trying to get them to prepare with him and resolve before God not to quit. But they fell asleep. So when the soldiers showed up to arrest Jesus, what happened? They scattered. They quit and they ran. Because they were surprised. They were shocked at what was going on. Jesus shows us that preparation is crucial to winning the battle. We must watch and pray. We must be alert to realize that there's more to the struggles than meets the eye, that there's this spiritual aspect and dimension to the things that we're going through, and we need to pray and trust God. And one way you stay alert is by staying in the Word of God, getting time every day reading the Bible and understanding God's ways, what's going on and how he works. If you put your relationship to God on the back burner, then you will not endure in in the future things that you face. A personal walk with God is key to the struggles, to dealing with the struggles that you're facing in a way that won't wound you and take you out of the battle. You, You have to get time with him. That's why we set this time aside for a quiet time class. Quiet time is just getting with God every day, and hearing him speak to you through the Bible and then talking to him through prayer and hearing him speak to you through prayer. We have to carve out the time to get into the Bible and to pray and allow God to renew our strength and refresh us and give us perspective. Jesus knew this. And so he asked, notice that he spent the time with God, but he also asked the group to watch and pray with him, which shows the danger of isolation. Isolation kills spiritually. Isolation actually kills in a real battle. That's one of the strategies. When you're fighting a battle, you want to isolate small numbers of the the enemy and then take them out. Isolation kills. We need each other. We need other people to know what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. We need them to, to understand We need to share with them. One key element of quitting is isolation. We need others to be praying with us and giving us perspective. 
If you and those close to you are the only ones who are going to be hurt or know about your quitting, you're in danger. You're in real danger. One thing that happens in isolation is you're left to your own thoughts. I don't know about you. Some of my thoughts are wacky. And I need, there are some thoughts that sort of lie beneath the surface that I need to bring out and tell some people what's going on so that they can give me the right perspective. As, as you're in a group of people, you can do that. Now, you don't just walk in and spill. That's not at all what I'm talking about. But there's, there's support in, in letting others know what's going on and just being around. That's the way God's made it to work. So those are some keys to preparing. Watching, praying, getting into the Bible, getting into a group of people who can walk through life with you. Second, we must persevere. I've been reading a different portion of the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis uh, in the messages that I've done, and I'd like to read one today that in, in this letter, what's happening in the screw tape letters is they're written, it's, it's you know, fictional, um, and they're written from the perspective of Uncle Screwtape, who's trying to teach uh, a junior d- demon who's his charge how to tempt people and the schemes that the enemy uses. And the reason C.S. Lewis wrote is so we can begin to identify some of the schemes. But in letter 30, he talks about um, Screwtape is writing, trying to train this lesser demon and how to tempt uh, his person. He says... Exaggerate the weariness by making him think it will soon be over. For men usually feel that a strain could have been endured no longer at the very moment it is ending, or when they think it is ending. So that, that's really good. We're, 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 we're busy, we get tired, and we're vulnerable at that moment. And this is a strategy. You exaggerate the weariness. The one thing you have to keep telling yourself is, I'm not too tired to do right by God. I resolve to do what's right. I I am not that tired. I can do the right thing. Then he goes on. The thing to avoid is total commitment. Whatever he says, the man, let his inner resolution be not to bear whatever comes to him, but to bear it for a reasonable period. And let the reasonable period be shorter than the trial is likely to last. It need not be much shorter in attacks on patience, chastity, and fortitude. The fun is to make the man yield just when, had he but known it, relief was almost in sight. This is a trick that we do in our minds. You know, this, this pressure, I can take it until Thanksgiving. But if it goes much past Thanksgiving, I'm... I, I think it's going to be over by then. So I'm, going to, I'm just going to set myself to hang in there until Thanksgiving. Think Thanksgiving comes, we enjoy the turkey. I don't, I eat other stuff. I'm not a real fan of turkey. But Thanksgiving comes and goes, and the pressure is still there. But in our minds, we've said, I can bear it for a reasonable period. That's a reasonable period. Thanksgiving. Surely God's not going to want me to bear this any longer. Thanksgiving blows over and it's still there. You have to set yourself to, to endure no matter how long. 
whatever it takes, what, what, whatever comes your way, you resolve not to quit, to run this marathon and keep doing what God's asked you to do. Hebrews 12.2, we read it earlier. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. His joy was in the future. The cross was between Jesus and the joy that God intended for him. He had to endure. If he didn't go through the agony of the cross, he would have never experienced the joy that God wanted him to experience. It's the same for us. When we collapse and cave to temptation, we miss out on the joy that God intends. When we find relief in our own way, we miss out on the things God's trying to build into us through the battles and the trials. Jesus kept moving forward. He showed us how to deal with this. He kept moving forward and trusting God for the time when he gave the victory. The victory came after he suffered and died. It came in the resurrection. He rose from the grave. With us, God has chosen the time and place for our victory. The time and place where he plans to bring relief and joy. It's almost always later than we'd like. It's almost always beyond when we think we can bear it. It's almost always just a little further into the future than we feel like we can hold up. God's chosen that time. If we stop moving forward, we will not get to the point God intended to bring the relief and the joy, and we will miss out on the good God intends to do. You and I need to keep moving forward like Jesus did to face and to bear the struggles. Hebrews 10, 36-39 says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. This is a reference to the blessed hope, our ultimate hope. The second coming, when Jesus is going to come back and make things good and right. But we're between times now. We, we battle and we struggle. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. You, you are in this moment, and if you're struggling, there's uncertainty. You're not quite sure how things are going to turn out. You get tired and you ask God for help. He plans to bring it in his time later. Because he is trying to use the trouble and the battle to purify you and I with my struggles. He is trying to use these things to do some things in us that he could not do any other way. And so he delays. He waits. The joy is out there. It will be found as you endure. If we shrink back from following, the passage said we're destroyed. Every time we stop moving forward and following God, we risk destruction. In marriage, if you stop 
the marriage could fall apart. But you've got to keep moving forward to do what God's asked you to do in parenting and in your classwork and your job. If we keep moving ahead, you will make it to the place God intends to bring the relief and the joy. And you will find the joy he intends. But if you shrink back, you miss it. So we are not of those who shrink back. We resolve. We put on the helmet. We resolve ourselves to do what God's asked us to do. No matter what, no matter how long it takes, we will do it. The helmet of salvation means this, that your future will be characterized by God coming through for you over and over and over again. But only as you trust him, only as you trust him in the moment and you don't wriggle out from under the pressure and the problems and the struggles that you're having to find relief in and of yourself. But you trust God and you do life his way. And when you blow it, God is gracious. It's the helmet of salvation. Remember, it's his righteousness. It's his grace. It's his help that we're seeking and that we have in him. We are a part of an army that experiences salvation in the face of impossible odds. God brings it. That's our hope. We must take up the helmet of salvation and never give up. We need to trust him. I'd like to wrap up the message today with some next steps. We always do this because as you get into the scripture, it's very important to take steps to follow, to apply, to do what you've heard. And you may have some things that God's laid on your heart and mind that you want to follow through with and do, but here are some suggestions. They're on your listening guide. They're also on your connection card. You can Check them on the card and drop it in the offering later on when it comes, comes by. But here they are. My next step today is to read Hebrews 11 this week. Read through the, this, the heroes of the faith passage where it shows how they endured, what they endured, how they endured, and the hope that, that they had in, in enduring. Next step, um, set aside at least five minutes to pray each day this week. Just ask, watch and pray. Ask God for strength that... Take the things that are on your heart to him. Ask him for help. At least five minutes. Next, if you're being tempted to quit, ask someone to pray for you. You don't have to spill everything. But just ask someone to pray. Talk it over with them. Ask them to pray. Isolation is a key strategy that the enemy uses to take you down and out. Hang with the group. <laughs> let, let them know. And then another step is to sign up for a growth group. On your connection card, it's a one-step thing. Just put the day and the group number, and you can sign up for a group. Roman soldiers fought face-forward, side-by-side. That's how they fought. They fought face-forward because they're moving their objective. They're moving toward their objective, side-by-side. That's how God intends us to fight. Not in isolation, but together, moving forward to do what God's called us to do. So there's real help in being a part of a group. And so stick to others. Find others to hang with and hang with them. You'll be you'll actually be defined by the people you hang out with. They will define, well, your, you won't, but your future will be defined by the people you run with. So find some good folks to connect with and hang with them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'd like to ask the band to come up as I pray. Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word. 
that gives help and perspective and hope. God, the helmet of salvation is the helmet of hope that you've provided so that as we deal with life and the everyday struggles, we can, we can learn to trust you and we can learn to grow in <clears throat> our understanding of you and your ways. Father, give us the power that you have to deal with our struggles and our battles and with life. Help us to hang in there, God, so that we can experience the joy that's on the other side. We lift these things to you, and we ask for your help in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.